0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Is Christianity true, and how do we know? Are Christians just fools who have been duped by a lie for some 2,000 years? How do we know if the story of Christ is real, and if Christian orthodoxy is something that was just manipulated and made up over some 300 years after the crucifixion of Christ. I'll answer this and more on today's rebellion. Welcome to today's show. The topic for the day is simple. Is Christianity real? Or is it a lie? Is the story of Christ, is the gospel, is the Bible true? Or is it a myth? Is it just a collection of various different and disparate letters and historical recordings that are fabrications versus facts. You know, this is a claim that's being made by many people today. Bart Ehrman is famous for that. Many bought his books by the millions because he came out and said that Christianity is just the report of the winners. It's a collection of writings that was put together under one cover by those who won the debate. But what about those who lost the debate? They had a story too. They had writings too. They had epistles too. They had gospels too. Why are their writings any less true and valid than those that were put in the Bible? This is a question that's being asked over and over again today. We act as if it's something new, that this is a new revelation and somehow... For nearly 2,000 years, up until just yesterday, nobody ever thought of this stuff. But that's not true. These things were debated thousands of years ago. And there are answers to these questions. And the answers go back to some pretty serious wrestling with the facts, the facts that led to our faith. Not fantasy, not fabrications, Not make-believe, not just wishful thinking, not political power, but the facts that led to our faith. The definition of our faith, orthodoxy as we understand it, orthodoxy, right thinking. I'm going to address this question today and I'm going to go back to the critique of my Washington Times piece this past week. The piece that I've already cited on the show, the piece, the column, the article that deals with fake Christianity. Fake Christianity, the way it was described by George Barna as the result of his recent poll. Where he has basically shown us that in the United States, we no longer hold to the teachings of the Bible as being accurate and true. And we've come up with a new religion, moralistic therapeutic deism, where we just think God is someone who wants us to be happy. He's a non-judgmental, senile uncle, if you will, that just wishes a good time be had by all. Stop arguing children, just get along, just be happy, just queer everything everything that ails you, and we'd be much better off. Again, I'm going to use a criticism, a comment that was made to my Washington Times column as a springboard to answer the question, is Christianity real and how do we know? Let's take a break, acknowledge our sponsors. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. In order to get into the topic, I'm going to go back to the same critic that I mentioned yesterday. A gentleman who disagreed with my article and uh, posted a lengthy criticism. Now, I want to warn you, it's not that well written. So as I read it, it's going to sound a little convoluted. But I'm going to read it to you as he wrote it to me, as he presented it to me in the comments section of the Washington Times. And again, if you want to follow my writing in the Washington Times, just go to, just Google Washington Times, and you get several free reviews before you have to subscribe. If you want to read it routinely every week, you probably will have to subscribe. Uh, You can also go to Facebook and follow me there. I have two pages. I have Dr. Everett Piper, and I have Everett Piper. If you try to friend me on Everett Piper, you're going to find that I can't respond and accept that because it's already maxed out at the 5,000 friend level on the Everett Piper Facebook site. But if you go to Dr. Everett Piper, it's got unlimited followers, so you can follow me there. All right, you can also follow me on Twitter at Dr. Everett Piper, and likewise on Gab and MeWe and Parler. So that's my social media pitch there. Oh, I'd be remiss while I'm doing that stuff to not also ask you to consider buying my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. And again, you can find that at any online bookstore or on-ground bookstore if you still enjoy going into physical space to buy your books. All right, so back to my critic in the Washington Times. Um, he really is kind of disjointed, but he represents this mindset that Christianity is fake, it's contrived, uh, all we do is uh, fight and argue over thousands of different interpretations of a Bible, a Bible that was put together and pieced together over some 300, 400 years after the reported or supposed or uh, argued, arguable uh, historical fact of Jesus's existence and crucifixion and certainly his resurrection. So that's where we are. That's this man's mindset. Let me read part of it, if not all of it, and then I'm going to respond. And basically, I want you to be thinking, is Christianity real? How do we know and how do we respond to people who have worldviews antithetical to the orthodoxy of the Christian faith? And those worldviews are 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 antithetical to it, opposite to it because they don't believe in the premise of Christianity. They don't believe that Christianity is an historical fact. They don't believe that the Bible is trustworthy, whereas I argue not only is it trustworthy, but it's inerrant. It's without error. It's infallible. It's authoritative. It's true. It's inerrant. It is the Word of God. God's revelation, His written revelation to us, Oh, no, they say. Oh, no. Everyone knows that the Bible is nothing but a collection of writings that was put together as the result of a fight, a political fight, that Constantine officiated and he essentially held a gun to their head and said, don't come out of that room. Don't come out of that chapel. Don't come out of that church. Don't come out of that conference space until you have a Bible a book that you can all agree on. And as the result, a few days later, after fighting and arguing, they put together the things that they, that small group of men, agreed on as being God's revelation, and they discarded and threw everything else away. Well, why don't we believe the stuff that they threw away, people ask. Why do we believe the stuff that those guys chose? Well, I'm going to answer that. Now, keep in mind, you could write volumes on this as an answer so me addressing it in the short space of this show is going to be uh, just skipping over the top of the water a bit if you will not diving into the depths but i'm going to give you a little bit of confidence in the answer okay so back to this question from this guy and then a quick answer from me he says first and foremost you need to get your facts straight The United States of America was founded on freedom from religion. It has no Christian basis whatsoever. I answered that yesterday. But then he goes on. It has no Christian base whatsoever except the influence that Christian nationalist groups have had on it. Okay, Christian nationalist groups. I've talked about Christian nationalism. That's a joke. That's a straw man if there ever was one. That's just a distraction where he's labeling people that believe in the Christian heritage of the United States and hold that the United States of America should actually have a border that should be secured and actually have a constitution that should be defended and actually hold true to the objective definitions of our faith, uh, that somehow we're Christian nationalists. Bogus, hogwash, that's nonsense. And then he says this, 5,500 different Protestant denominations all with a different interpretation of the Bible and yet modern thinking is the problem here. The problem is that most Christians care more about being the one who is right than actually seeking to understand God. You see this by them using a book that says the knowledge of good and evil is what separates us from God, but yet they claim to have such knowledge and seek to tell everyone else about it. Again, loaded up with errors. I confronted some of them yesterday. No, the knowledge of good and evil is not what separates us from God. The desire to be God and define what's good and evil, right and wrong. The action to supplant God, take him from the throne and put ourselves on that throne as God ourselves, the masters of all, the definers of all, which is exactly what we've done today, is what separates us from God, young man, my young critic, Please do a little thinking and read a little bit more deeply. Then he says this, You see, Jesus died in the story not to be an atonement for sin. Oh, really? Oh, geez. Maybe we should go back and actually read the Gospels, read the epistles. And that's my point. Let's use this as a jumping off point to my answer, because if I keep going on with his statement and his question, I won't have any time to say anything else. So basically... In his question, he's accusing us of having 5,500 different Protestant denominations that can't agree on what the Bible says because the Bible is just contrived, it's put together. Or as Bart Ehrman, the famous Bart Ehrman, has said. If you don't know who he is, you can go Google him. He's a man that has written uh, volumes on how Christianity is nothing but a power play. Here's one of his quotes. Christianity... As we have come to know it, did not in any event spring into being just overnight. It emerged over long periods of time, a very long period of time, through a period of struggles and debates and conflicts over competing views, doctrines, perspectives, canons, and rules. The ultimate emergence of the Christian religion represents a human invention. Arguably, the greatest invention in the history of Western civilization, closed quote. So that's Bart Ehrman. That's Bart Ehrman. He's claiming that Christianity is nothing but something that emerged, a worldview, a position, a thought, a worldview, a political party, if you will, is essentially what he's arguing, that emerged over a long period of time through struggles and debates and conflicts and competing views, doctrines, perspectives, canons, and rules. And then the ultimate emergence of the Christian religion as we know it represents nothing but a human invention. He's saying this is not God's revelation to us. This is a human invention. And then he says this, arguably the greatest human invention in the history of Western civilization. The Piper paraphrase of what Bart Ehrman just said Christianity is a joke. It's a lie. It's something that has duped millions of people for 2,000 years. Arguably the greatest lie, the greatest invention, the greatest manipulation of the mind of men in the history of Western civilization. That's what Bart Ehrman is saying. Well, here's the question. Is this true? Have Christians been basing their lives on nothing more than stories and folk tales and myth and power plays? Is this true? Now, a lot of people are scratching their heads right now. You may be scratching your heads. How do you answer this question? How can we be confident that the core message of Christianity wasn't deliberately contrived and controlled and manipulated? As Bart Ehrman says, and as my critic in the Washington Times implies when he says it's nothing more than an argument between 5,500 different Protestant denominations, all of us with different interpretations and different Bibles. And yet we think we understand the truth with a capital T. Is it nothing more than subjective truths with a lowercase t? Is it nothing more than the result of arguments? And Constantine stepping into the fray and saying, boys, get along. I'm going to lock you away until you can agree. Otherwise, I'll have your head. All right. Well, let's go back. Let's just start with the resurrection. Was that all made up? So, Because that's a basic thing here. If... It's like my friend Abdu Murray says, Abdu converted from Islam to Christianity, and he's not a Christian apologist. Great man, great thinker. Abdu says this one of the reasons I've converted is I've researched and read and dug into the story of Christ and specifically the story of his resurrection. And I've concluded that this is an historical fact. And here is my conclusion, says Abdu. I tend to believe men that have risen from the dead, okay? And there's only one man that has done so. Well, you could all argue Lazarus did too, but you need to realize that he rose from the dead because the Son of God actually orchestrated that event. All right, so Jesus rose from the dead, and I tend to believe, says Abdu, people who raise from the dead, So let's talk about the resurrection and the time we have left here. There's so much more to talk about, and I'll deal with it in subsequent shows. But if you're going to answer somebody like Bart or my critic who says, Christianity is nothing more than a record of the winners. It's not anything more than a political message, political power. It's nothing more than something that was contrived and manipulated and made up. Power plays and myth-making, as I said, stories and fairy tales, folk tales. That's all Christianity is. Well, let's go back to the resurrection. When did they start believing that? Was that just something they put together 300 years later at the Council of Nicaea, belief in the resurrection? Was there a bunch of disagreement on that up to that point, and nobody actually bought that or believed that that was a key to the gospel until then? Let's go back and look at the facts. The resurrection is a central claim of Christianity. We, let's just agree on that. Well, how early was it believed? And how early was that belief affirmed and embraced by the followers of Christ, those early Christians, one, two, three, five years after the death and reported resurrection of Jesus? When did people actually start believing this? Because that answer is critical. Well, according to even liberal scholars, the Gospels are dated between 70 and 100 A.D., not 300 and 400 A.D., 70 or 100 100 years A.D. So Jesus was crucified in 33 A.D., some would argue 30, but let's agree on 33 A.D., So the Gospels, we know, were authored. Even liberal scholars like Bart Ehrman would agree that we can say that the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were dated between 70 and 100 A.D. So some 40 to, let's say, 60 years after after the crucifixion of Christ. What about the resurrection? I'll get into it real quick. I'm going to get there. I don't have a lot of time left, but... So the Gospels were recorded 30 to 70 years after the event. Compare this to the earliest biography of, well, let's say another historical person, Alexander the Great. Do you realize that the earliest records we have of his life, the earliest biography we have of Alexander the Great is 400 years after his death. See, that's something unique about the story of Christ. The records that we have are so much better than the records we have on anybody else. Anybody else. Cicero, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. The list goes on. The list goes on and on and on. Alexander the Great, 400 years after his death. But we have records of Jesus 30 to 70 years after his. Liberal scholars also generally accept the Pauline authorship and dates of at least six of the 13 epistles attributed to St. Paul. Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, and 1 Thessalonians all are agreed upon as being authored by Paul. Now, here's the interesting thing. In 1 Corinthians, we have the primary text for what? The resurrection. Now, we agree that 1 Corinthians was written in 55 AD. This takes us to within 25 years of the crucifixion. That's essentially the time frame where I worked at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I worked. I started working there about 20 years ago. So, if people were to write about what I did and started to do at Oklahoma Wesleyan University when I started 20 years ago, those records would be pretty accurate, accurate, wouldn't you say? And there would be a lot of people around to correct the lack of accuracy if somebody said something that wasn't true. All right, so that's the case here with the record of the resurrection that's recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. It was written some 25 years after the crucifixion. Very, very close to the event. Now, what else do we need to attend to? Paul gets his account. Okay, so you're saying, well, that's Paul. He said it 25 years after the Supposed resurrection, where did he get his information? Did he just make it up? Hmm. Let's consider where he got his account. Now remember, Paul says he got his account from somebody. Now, were there people around to double-check it, to critique it, to refute it, to say, no, that's not wrong, we were there, that's not true? Yeah, there were a lot of people around, and those people included Matthew and Mark. Luke and John, Peter, James, Jude. In other words, the apostles were still alive, people. They were still there to say Paul was wrong if he was. But here's the account. Paul says this, The gospel which I preach to you, in which you stand, and by which also you are saved, I received that. I received this that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised. And on the third day, according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter, and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to over 500 brethren at one time, and he appeared also to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. You see, Paul is saying that according to the scriptures, things that were already written, he received this message. And that he also received this message from the people that were there. He's saying that the church received this message. Well, from whom? Whom did they receive it from? Well, he tells us in his epistle to the Galatians. He says this, When I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Peter and stayed with him, 15 days, I did not see any of the other apostles except James, so he saw James too, the Lord's brother. The context of this passage makes it clear that Paul traveled to Jerusalem to learn from Peter and James what their understanding of the gospel was. He wanted to be sure that what he was saying was the same as what they were saying the same revelation, the same message, the same truth. Around 34 to 36 AD, three years later, Again, we're getting very close to the event here, people. Paul double-checks everything with Peter and James. And then, just to be sure, he tells us this, that he went back 14 years later. So he's double-checking this. He goes there in 34 to 36 AD, months after the crucifixion and resurrection, and he talks to Peter and James, and then he goes back 14 years later. And he says this, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not run my race in vain. And guess what he says then? They added nothing to my message. James and Peter and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me, and Barnabas, Paul says, the right hand of fellowship, when they recognized the grace given to me. Close quote. That's in Galatians 2. So the summary is this. Paul submitted himself to the earliest eyewitnesses, the people that were there. And he says this, they added nothing. They were all on the same page here, not 300 or 400 years after the fact. Three minutes after the fact, they were there. And when Paul sat down to talk to them, they added nothing. They extended the right hand of fellowship. And guess what? There is nothing out there that says that Peter or James ever refuted anything that Paul said. From the very beginning, this was the same gospel. From the very beginning, they were on the same page. It was not contrived 300, 400 years later. There never was a time when the basics of the gospel, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus was not believed and preached by the church. This was the message from day one, and there's an abundance of historical evidence to prove that. The reason they believed this stuff was because they were there, They were at the cross, they were at the empty tomb, they were at the ascension. They knew this was fact and not fiction, and they gave their lives because of it. And some will say, well, people give their lives to other religions. Well, many men will give themselves for a lie if they think it's true. But no one is going to give himself for a lie if he knows it's a lie. And keep in mind, Peter was crucified upside down. John was crucified boiled in oil and Paul lost his head. They wouldn't have done this if they knew it was a lie. That's evidence for the orthodoxy of Christian faith. That's a reason for you to take confidence in the orthodoxy of Christianity, to believe that Christianity is a fact and not just the product of myth-making. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left, and this is the truth. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.